This week, we're going to look how Paul is praying for power itself, like for us. Not just to the God who is powerful, but for us to get a, a little bit of that power because God loves to work through his people. But it's going to be a bit of a tricky subject. Praying for power, pursuing power. Like that's not something you say, you know, at a party. Like, oh, well, Greg, what'd you get up to? Oh, I was just kind of busy pursuing power today. Like that is how to be more awkward than a Christian minister at a party. And that's saying something, you know, just say I'm busy pursuing power. So power, if, per, if pursued the wrong way, leads to horrible results. I probably don't even need to give you any examples. We all know them. Like, we all know these examples, either globally or locally in our own lives. Um, but it also made me think of something that um, is funny, like these design fails. I don't know if you've seen these design fails that get shared around online. It's basically the situation is you have a graphic designer in a room uh, designing something for something that he does not know the context. They don't know the context at all of what they're designing for. So they're pursuing design, but in the wrong way, and it leads to great, hilarious mistakes. Like... Let's look at a few, eh? Um, how about that bike lane next time you're out there cycling? Do you think maybe they should have put this over there instead of over a canal or whatever that is? Not the best case, especially at night. If you've had a pint or something, you don't want to be on that. Um, okay, now picture yourself as a delivery person and you need to find a flat quick. And then you come across this. What in the world? Like, I, I don't, it's like some kind of Sudoku puzzle that you just can't solve. I don't really understand what, what I'm even looking at here. Um, it's like countdown only from hell. I don't even know what the deal is. Um, okay, so you're driving and you really want a quick Starbucks and so you want to use the drive-through, but you come across this. You're like, I just want my caffeine, my sweet, sweet caffeine. I can't get there. Now, maybe you consider yourself a moral person uh, and you want to make sure everyone knows that you are against animal testing, animal cruelty. So you buy a hoodie, anti-animal cruelty club. But then when you put the hood down, that's not a club you want to be a part of. It's like, what kind of club is that? And who's signing up? And then there's my personal favorite, wanting to know that, wanting everyone to know that Jesus cares for you. Jesus scares. Which is kind of true. Maybe we should make one of those for Redeemer. You can put it up right there. don't think that would go over well. This is a situation where people wanted to design things well. Uh, but they pursued it in the wrong way. They didn't know the context. They didn't know maybe what their, what their product was being used for. And that can be hilarious. But in, in our lives, when we pursue power the wrong way, it's not hilarious. It's tragic. It's really sad, to be honest. It ends up in the wrong way for us and for other people. Now, before you tell me that you don't pursue power in your life, let me ask, do you get uh, money from a paycheck or a pension? That's power. Do you have a place to live? That's power. Do you choose your clo the clothes that you chose today? That's power. Do you get to choose your meals? That's power. Think of people who are fleeing Afghanistan right now. They, everyone in this room is rich to them. Doesn't matter how much money you make, you're rich to them. You have food, you have a place to live. Uh, what about if you're in charge of your diary? Like, that's power too. You can, I'm, I'm gonna choose to do this today instead of this. Not everybody has that choice. It's, and the, of course these things are not just, they're not only about power, but power, it, there's an element of that with all the things that we do. There's some aspect of pursuing power connected with them. I mean, just think, narrow down your paycheck. Your paycheck has this magical quality. When you get it, everything's good. If you weren't get it, things are not good. You don't get it three times in a row, you're homeless. So many stories of people that I lost my job for three weeks and, or for three months and my, my partner divorced me or left and now I can't afford to pay my home and they don't have a home anymore. I mean, you could easily exist by not asking more of life than is my paycheck gonna come or not. Most people do. 
probably if we're comfortable or uncomfortably admitting to ourselves, we might live a little bit like that as well. But when we pursue power in our own power, it leads to horrible results. We make the world all about us. The world has to be all about us. It's about getting more, collecting more, getting more, getting more money, getting more friends, getting more experiences, whatever the things might be. And comfort that we have is just an attempt to live in power. Comfort removes us from ever feeling powerless. And if we're stuck in that cycle, everything is there merely for our benefit. Your jobs, your passions, your gifts in life, your friends, your, friends, your family. If they don't make you happy, then like, why have them? But when we, depending on the Lord, pursue power, not just any power, pursue his power, we join Jesus in making this world new. It's far bigger than getting a paycheck and like living for another two weeks. We join Jesus in making this world new. It's the antidote to our self-obsessed lives. We join Jesus in making the world new. The power that comes from our, ourselves, that can't help but be corrupted. And you can see why people would be anti-power all over the board, like power itself is a bad thing because the only experience of how to power is a corrupted version just coming from people. But the power that comes from the Lord is something else. It has the power to take our corrupt selves and transform it into something new. And not just us, but the people that we love, the people we truly love, the people who are in our lives. We get to be a part of, uh, of Jesus' transformation of them as we seek the Lord. This is what Jesus loves to do through his people. He loves to do this kind of thing. He can do whatever he wants, and yet he still chooses to work through us to do it because it's a joy that he gets from it. It's a joy that we get from it. So, last week, we talked briefly about this church at Ephesus that we're looking at today. They're a young church in a place where not everyone's excited for a church to exist, so a lot like Redeemer. And Paul is teaching this church how to pray by sharing, what Paul's to, uh, by sharing what he's praying about. So Paul has his prayer life. He's not just praying to God like, by himself. He's saying, hey, here's what I'm praying to God for, telling these people, basically teaching them how to pray. So what we'll learn today, down to a sentence. As people who follow Jesus, we depend on God's power to know God's love that we may be whole. We're just going to take this bit by bit as we go through uh, these verses here. We depend on God's power to know God's love that we may be whole. And now you may be here, uh, and, or maybe you're watching, and you wouldn't say you follow Jesus. But this is just one aspect of what the Christian life is like. So you've got to get a window onto, onto what it's like. Also, if you have any questions at all about whatever I say, or if you have disagreements, you're like, I don't think that's right, or I don't know, it's, or maybe like, I have no idea what that means. You can go to this website, redeemermcr.com ask. You can type in a question, and it comes to me. It doesn't tell me who you are, your email address, or anything. It's just this form, this blank form that comes to me with the question. If you have those, we'll do those um, after the sermon. But um, uh, basically, you can basically ask any question on any of, those, any of the subjects we talk about today. Okay, let's look at this first section here. We depend on God's power. This is in verses 14 through 16. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So let's kind of break that down a little bit, especially uh, verse 16. Out of God's glorious riches, he strengthens us. Out of his glorious riches is how we're strengthened. Not out of a scarcity, but not out of the dregs, not out of like the leftovers of the... Of, after God deals with the people he really loves, and he maybe might give you a little bit. It's just a generous strengthening. And notice, too, the end of that verse comes through the Holy Spirit himself. God involved all of himself 
in your life at all times. This is all of God's involvement in your life. He is so generous with his time for you. He's so in love, he has so much love that he has for you uh, and has a lot of ideas of what he has um, in store for your life. Uh, Paul says here uh, that you might be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Your inner being's like your true self, who you fundamentally are before anything. It's like who you are when nobody's looking, but also when other people are looking, who you are as well. It's not like you're gonna have two lives. It's, it's underneath everything who you really are. And maybe just a bit of a side note, I think most people think that faith is this private thing between me and God. And of course there's a relationship between us and the Lord. But merely that is completely at odds with the Bible. That's not what the Bible teaches. It's not, I mean, we're gonna look into other aspects here of, of how that is not true as well. Every time I counsel someone through something difficult and they've said, I've been dealing this for months and I haven't told anyone, I'm sorry, that's just at odds with the Bible. God does not want you to live that way. That's a sad way to live. God wants you to involve all of your life with the community that he's given for you. And he works through that community. I mean, you can make the excuse like, I didn't want to put other people out or didn't want to burden other people, but keeping faith private is a great way to stay stagnant. It's a great way to stay the same. Okay, rant over. I'm sorry, it's not even in the Bible here. It's nothing that's come up. Okay, back to what Paul is saying here. God's glorious riches strengthen us and we get power through the Holy Spirit. So in order to be strengthened, we must first realize this isn't our strength. Paul isn't praying for these people to be strong. We realize we actually we have a lack of strength. We have to give up the strength that we think that we have because when we depend on our kind of lame strength, we don't get God's strength to work through us. If you look at the Christian life and think, I don't think I'm... I don't think I'm good enough for this. Yeah, you're right. You got it. It's good. It's a good first step. That's the first step for everybody. You're not. Nobody here is. I love you guys, but you're not good enough. I'm sorry. A life of loving and serving other people well, the mission of like speaking the gospel to people and living that out, I don't think I can do this is the perfect kind of beginning because you can't in your own strength. It's impossible. You don't have what it takes. So stop worrying about it. Like, ah, oh, I just worried I don't have what it takes. You don't have to worry about it. It's true, you don't have what it takes. The Holy Spirit has more than enough for you. And that's what you need to be strengthened by. The power through his spirit in your inner being. Paul mentions one of the outcomes of depending on God's strength is that next verse in verse 17 here. So that, so there's a reason here, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Christ may dwell in your hearts in, in, through faith. To dwell means to, to make a home, to settle. Christ isn't kind of like, it's not a holiday. It's not a pit stop. It's, he's staying there, to, to dwelling. He's making a home. He's making something out of this place. He's renovating it. He's, he's not renting. He owns the house. Jesus comes across the wild country of our hearts, and when we depend on him to work, he settles us. He puts things in good order where things ought to be. That's really what we want, but we can't get there ourselves. Christ will do that. He takes care, of, takes care of us. He turns that wild country into a home for us and for him. And what was restless before now finds rest. There's this quote that I love that's attributed to Augustine who wrote, our hearts are restless until we rest in you. Have you ever felt restless? Surely we all have. COVID is like, you know, how to get restless, go through COVID. You know, that's a very short manual. How to, how, to, how to find rest is to find it in the Lord. Exactly what Paul is talking about here. 
And the more we depend on God's power, the less we depend on ourselves to have everything right. The more we depend on ourselves as we pursue power, again, we don't need loads of examples of how horribly that goes. You've had a bad boss. You've been a bad friend. Uh, Corrupt governments, like corrupt, all sorts of all the things. We amass for ourselves what helps us in our own way when we're obsessed with power for ourselves. That does not lead to other people flourishing. We know that, that's obvious but it also isn't good for the person who's self-centered as well because they're missing out on, on what it means to truly live as well. Really, whenever any of us rely on ourselves, we are missing out. It's like a dismembering of our souls. We might get a penny, maybe. Maybe we get the promotion or maybe we get that business deal or get ahead in life or whatever the thing is, but we really miss out on, on the pound. We miss out on the, on the real deal. But when we depend on God's power, he comes in and he settles us. He settles our hearts. This is a power we don't have. Paul isn't saying, oh, I hope that you find within yourself to get this power to settle yourself. We don't have this power. God has this power and he loves to give it to you. He loves it. It's something he loves to do. And in our true selves, in our inner being, who we are when nobody's looking, we are dependent beings. We get to rest in the love of God. We don't have to be God. We get to rest in a good one. We get to rely on him to come through for us. That is really, really freeing from one kind of uh, perfectionist, kind of works-orientated, perfect, like I just love things being perfect and me doing them perfectly. Things don't work out that way. <laughs> Again, COVID. I mean, really, if, if all it took was COVID, surely we've known this before COVID happened, but COVID is a great example. And we'll, we'll have many more examples in our lives as time goes through. Now, again, God does not do any of this begrudgingly. He's not like, ah. Oh, Man, Greg cannot get his stuff together. I guess I'm going to have to help him. Like God, just, he, just, he doesn't do it like, uh, if only he was a little bit better, then I would really love to help him. God loves to help every single one of us if we know who we are, dependent beings. He strengthens us through the Holy Spirit. So that means God strengthens us with God. We get strengthened not just with his power, with something that he gives, but with himself. That's amazing. The Holy Spirit is there to put into action what lives in our hearts. That's an amazing thing. How crazy is that? Whatever you're going to come through today, this week, this month for your life, you don't have to have it all together. The Holy Spirit is going to work through you to do it. I, I just think that's crazy. That's real. It feels like it's too good to be true. You know, when we go through any kind of difficulty, um, there's always a hidden blessing. And I'm not talking about like try and find the silver lining of, of, you know, of the storm or something like that. It's when we're at the end of our rope and we know we have nowhere else to turn. If you've ever been in those situations like that, if you haven't, just wait, because you will. We really feel the need to rely on God more. We feel that desperation that we have. But the reality is, we live in that every single day. Like that's, that's the reality every single day, whether we feel it or not. And so when we go through difficult things, the blessing is we get to be shown really how dependent and weak we are and how amazing and wonderful and loving that God truly is for us. So when you come up against something that you can't handle, the answer is not to power through it. The answer isn't to keep your head down and grit your teeth and go through. The answer first is to stop and rely on the Holy Spirit who can be at work in you to accomplish whatever you need, whatever he needs. And as you're strengthened by God through his riches, not through the dregs, not through the side, kind of the leftovers, through his riches, by the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, then and only then will you be able to move forward in a way that's going to be good for you and a way that's going to help other people flourish as well. So here's how to pray. And I'm talking about these prayer cards ad nauseum. Not because I think this is a cool thing that we ought to do, but because I just want us to pray more. It's a simple way to do it. Here's how to use this thing. First, 
using this prayer, you say, God, I give up. Use me as you will. I need you to work here. Spirit, help me rely on your power instead of my own. And then whoever is on here, um, someone who does know Jesus, for example, you say, God, help this person to give up relying on themselves and rely on you. God, this person needs you to work. Spirit, help this person rely on your power in them and less of themselves. It's basically just following how Paul's teaching us to pray. Give us a right view of yourself, of yourself, Lord, and that would lead us to depending on you more. Now, sometimes I can go a little quick if I'm going too fast um, through these uh, points or whatever. Remember, there's the website there. You can ask any question that you'd like. Um, or as Christina likes to often do it, just harass me and have to like sort through all these emails of... Uh, also, yes, I won't ever read them out. They're horrible. Um, so, okay, we depend on God's power um, <laughs> to know God's love. Like how I threw you under the bus. I have the microphone. Um, we depend on God's power. Let's look at the section, second section, to know God's love. To know God's love. So, um, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Uh, and continuing that, Paul says, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, here's this power again, together with all the Lord's holy people, so us together, Remember, it's not an individual thing. To do what? To grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. So it, this is the crazy, this is how lame and dependent we are. We can't know God's love without his power working in us to know his love. We can't even know his love unless he's working in us to know his love. And we can't know God's love without knowing his words. Otherwise, we just fill the blank in ourselves. So notice that, that first part is being rooted and established in love. He's not talking about just a kind of generic love. Paul's talking about the love of the Trinity to human beings. That big, huge, massive love specifically that Paul's talked about through the rest of this letter. And this is just like any relationship. If we aren't listening to somebody, that's proof that we're not really honoring them or not loving them in the way that we ought to. And we do that to God all the time, right? We don't read the Bible, so we're not listening to his words to us. The same thing if we're not sharing our words to him, then that's not really a love either because it means that we're withholding our lives from him, which is why we need to pray. We need the Bible, we need to pray. That's what rooted and established in love can look like. And Paul here uh, prays for the power to grasp this immensity of God's love. It's wider, it's longer, it's higher, it's deeper. It surpasses knowledge. That one's particularly interesting. It's, he wants us to know something that surpasses knowledge. It's beyond knowledge, but it's not beyond knowing. That's how big God's love is. Paul can't overstate it. You will never be able to overstate God's love. It's impossible. He's trying to. I mean, he's not trying to overstate it. He's trying to define it. But it just seems like it, there's no way to even, there's no limit. There's no ceiling. Psalm 103.11 says something similar. It says, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, which is, that's pretty high, so great is his love for those who fear him. For us to know God's love it's a necessity for his power to be at work. We don't have what it takes to even grasp the magnitude of God's power by ourselves or God's love by ourselves. We need his power to know that. If we aren't rooted and established in love, we won't be able to know God's love. So it's kind of like a positive cycle. Rooted and established in love, know God's love, knowing God's love will root us and establish in more love and then we get to know more. It's just kind of like you just get more love out of that. That's a good cycle to be in. Now, the, all of this the, the, um, the reason why Paul's talking about this isn't so that this church at Ephesus or that us first should love Jesus more. Though, of course, we should love Jesus more. The reason why Paul is writing this is so that we should understand God's love more. That that knowing of, of who God is and how much he loves us would 
would make us to love Jesus more. But there's like a first things here, that we would know how much God loves us in order that our lives would be transformed. It's not like we transform our lives first so that we can prove to God how much, oh, I know you love me, God, because I did these good things, or, or I know that you love me because, because you did this in my life. For us to know it first transforms who we are, and then that transforms who, what we do. And I have to say that, because unless I don't, I, if I don't say that, then everyone will always think, oh, so the answer is just like to do more, to love more, to pray more. I mean, we can love more, we can pray more. If we don't understand and we don't rely on God's power more, like, like that's, that would, might, maybe that's a guilt trip that'll last for a day or a week, maybe, if I really lay it on thick. That's really not gonna change our lives. Until we grasp God's love, we can't even begin to think of living it out because it's the love of God that transforms us. It's not our passions. It's not our theology. Those things are great. But the love of God is what transforms us. Not what we do, but what he's done and what he's doing. That's what settles our restless hearts. That leaves any hope for our lives to change for the better, let alone the people who we want to love and care for and for them to grow. So before you think of what you need to do, ask, Paul is telling us here, ask God for the power to know his love, that we would know his love so much that it would overflow like, in crazy ways. The more you know him and his love, the more you know who you are. And only then can you even begin to know what you ought to do. So here's how to pray. With that, you take this prayer card. And first you pray for yourself. You say, God, give me your power. I might know Jesus' love. God, uproot where I'm established in other places other than you. And, and root and establish me in you and in your love. And then, God, give this person your power to know Jesus' love. May it overwhelm them. God, uproot the idols in this person's life that they might be more established in your love, Jesus. If you pray that today, and if you pray that Monday, and you pray that Tuesday, and Wednesday, and Thursday, and Friday, that will, tra- that will transform your prayer life. But even better than that, that's going to transform that person's life because God is powerful. God loves to work through how we pray. That's what he tells us. And if, if you want to love someone more, pray for them more. Pray for them more frequently. Pray for them in the ways that the Bible tells us to pray for. You will love them more. So it changes you, and those prayers themselves change that other person. It's an amazing thing. So just even if you were just pray one of these points each day of the week. Okay. We depend on God's power to know God's love. And lastly, where Paul gets to is that we may be whole. And this is where, where Paul says um, at the end here, verse 19. Uh, and to know the love that surpasses knowledge. So we get to know something that is beyond knowledge. That's bonkers. Um, and then there's almost like another kind of purpose clause at the end of all these purposes. Here's the end here. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. You may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That's a wholeness. That's a completeness. That's an everythingness. When I was typing up these notes here, I originally wrote, um, what did I originally write? Filled to the measure of the fullness of God, which sounds pretty massive, but that's not even it. Filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Like Paul, he's try- he can't overstate it. All the fullness of God that we might be filled by. Filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. This is cosmic. Not that you would be kind of filled with him. Not that you'd have like a, a good feeling when you left like a Sunday morning and then that's it. But the measure is all the fullness of all of God. So what is the fullness of God? Because that sounds great, but like, what is that? What does that even mean? Uh, well, it's an interesting expression. It's really, it's only found in this letter. Uh, at first, it's the Trinity at work. If you notice, in verse 14, Paul talks about kneeling before the Father. In verse 16, it talks about the Spirit. 
and in uh, verse 17, it talks about the love of Christ. So it's the Trinity is at work here. See the Father, Son, and the Spirit. And this expression of the fullness of God kind of comes up again in chapter 4 where Paul talks about the fullness of Christ. Actually, if you have an app of your Bible, scroll down to uh, chapter 4, uh, verse 11. I wonder, what's the default now? Who we, more apps? Should I say scroll or turn? I don't know, share anymore. Um, maybe make a new word that encapsulates them both. Uh, so verse 11 says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the, pastor, the pastors, the teachers, to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith uh, and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, and here's the line here, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The fullness of God, the fullness of Christ, like being filled with the fullness of God, the fullness of Christ, is maturity. Paul, that particular section there in chapter four is talking about how the church is, the, is not just you know, the guy up front or, or you know, a few paid people or whatever. It's the church, everybody. Everybody has gifts and we ought to equip everyone to use their gifts uniquely in the way that God's called us to. Um, being full, filled with God is, is, we've talked about this before, spiritual adulthood. Being able to feed yourself and feed other people. This is what a life being filled with the spirit is like. It's a community project because you can't do that by your own on your own. You can't do that just you and God. You have to have other people involved. God has given you gifts. If he's given you a gift, your job as the gifter is not to hold on to the gift, but to give it away. And that goes to other people. It has to be involved with other people. You know, one writer uh, puts it this way, D.A. Carson, he, write, he wrote, this is simply the way that Paul says, like this little phrase, the fullness of, of God, simply a way that Paul says um, to be all that God wants you to be. And I think that's a really good way to put it. Because God has an image of what he's molding you into. He has this image of what he would like you to be. And if you were to depend on him, if you were to grasp his love, he has this kind of unique image that he's slowly working with you. He's patient, he's generous, he's kind. He's not like kind of forcing you to do this. He's working with you in the way that um, is, is loving to grow you into that image, to grow up even more into a spiritual adulthood where you live a full life and help others to live a full life as well. Because your life is not just for you. God has given you a unique part to play in his mission. Everybody. It's not just like, oh yeah, that's the pastor's job. No, the pastor's job is to equip other people to live their unique life for God in whatever mission he's called you. Only you can fulfill it. You've been given this task. He has plans for you, even plans today. To be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God means to walk in that, to enjoy that kind of life and help other people enjoy that as well. So what can that look like specifically? Because maybe I'm speaking too theologically and too kind of abstract. Well, it means regardless of circumstance, whatever happens in in the world outside of you, you're going to have a measure of contentment. You're going to have a measure of satisfaction. It will just kind of be there. Bad things can happen and they might rock the boat, but you're not going to fall in the water. You have a resilience that can transcend day-to-day issues because you're full with God. You're not full with the daily circumstances. You're not full of whatever the thing is that you're going to be full of. You're not full first of your friends or your family. You're full first with God. And that changes how you interact with your friends and your family and your day-to-day circumstances. One of the reasons I think this pandemic has been so difficult for people, for all of us, is that we couldn't be full of all the extra stuff that we normally are. And we realized, ah, I don't like this feeling of emptiness. It's not a good feeling. Maybe we thought we were more full of God than what we ended up being. If we aren't full with him, we will be empty. 
So what does this look like uh, maybe for other people in your life? Because if your life isn't just about you, then this message, even though it's for you, is not going just to affect you, it's going to affect other people. What well, means joining in with what God has already planned. Two main categories here, words and actions, how we live and what we say. The words of love that God has for us, we also speak them to other people. The family that God has invited us into, we invite and welcome other people into as well, regardless of whatever their background is. Sometimes that's asking them to come to the church like a Sunday morning. Uh, sometimes that's bringing the church to them, like how we do in our missional communities. Now, we don't have the power over other people, so our job is just to invite, welcome, present, love. We don't change people. God does that. We just lay it out there and live lives congruent with the words that we say. But regardless of how other people respond, this is how we ought to live. It doesn't matter if nobody responds. I mean, obviously we want them to and we'll pray for that and we'll work for that. But really, we have no control over that. And regardless of however other people respond, we're called to live that life of, of, that life of welcome and love for other people regardless of, worth of their background. And as we depend on God's power and know God's love and realize how helpless we are, that's not an impossible task. We can actually live that way in a way that's actually kind of fun and exciting. I mean, I remember... I mean, Sam, I think from our, um, our first missional community meeting at Project Skate Park, I think you guys said it was kind of enjoyable, right? Yeah, it was, it, it's actually a really exciting life to live your life in front of other people on mission. And who knows what's going to happen? The conversations you've got to get into, you have no idea what's going to happen. And then that's when you're like, oh, God, what did I get myself into? And then that's followed up with the prayer of, oh, God, please, I need your help. That means you're doing it right. That's, that means you're doing it right. And that, I mean, it's true of, of all our missional communities. And this is also true, not just for people who don't know Jesus, but for people who are already believers. To have them over for a meal and have a chat over what they've been reading in the Bible, or what their prayer lives are like. And honestly, actually talk about what your prayer lives have been like. Actually, it's rubbish. Like, yeah, mine too. Okay, let's pray together. You know, that's, that is how we live life together. We all have unique ways to contribute to this because we all have different gifts. We all have different things we enjoy. But a gift is not supposed to stay with the giver. Ultimately, if we're not filled with God, we aren't whole, we're incomplete, we're lacking something, we are missing out. A life of wholeness means we get to enjoy more of life. All of life ends up being better. We get to enjoy more of God and we get to enjoy more of each other. When uh, Christina and I went to Edinburgh recently, we had a really, really, uh, we had this really good meal over lunch. I don't, I, I don't think we even had dinner after because we were just like so completely full of how good this lunch was. Uh, it was amazing. Um, when we were done, we were satisfied. We weren't like, like uncomfortably stuffed with food, although if given that option, I will definitely uncomfortably stuff myself with food. But it was the kind of thing where you just, when you've had a really good meal, you're just like, ah, oh, that's nice. It's a good feeling. Your body rewards you. Biologically, it's like, yes, this is how your life should be. Um, what, I mean, it's just a great feeling. You aren't completely stuffed. You're not uncomfortable. It's that nice, satisfying kind of feeling. But as good as that meal, or any other meal that any of us were going to have ever, by the next day, you're going to be hungry again, eventually, maybe by the next week, depending on how much you eat. You will be empty. You need to eat something again. You have to look around. Oh, what else? I need to find something else now to fill my stomach. A great meal leaves a great feeling, but it's fleeting. I need more than that. That's great. I need more than that. We were living a luxurious life for our lunch. I need more than a luxurious life. That's really small. But with the Lord, there is no end to his love. He doesn't deliver one thing on a Sunday and say, okay, you're on your own, sucker. Find out whatever you're going to do on Monday. You've got to deal with this thing. I'll let you do it. No depth is too deep. No height is too high. 
You, you can't go beyond the bounds of his love. He loves to fill us up continually. He has an image he's crafting us toward, and he does that through filling us with his love. And so we pray that God will fill us to make us whole. Because left to ourselves, we will fill up those blank spaces with everything less than God. And we deserve more than that. And the only thing, the only way that we can be filled, the only way this can even happen, all the stuff we were talking about, is because Jesus is the one who emptied himself. He emptied himself so that we could be filled. That's the only way any of this could ever happen. The only way these words can be true, the only way these prayers are worth praying is because Jesus emptied himself. The cost for us to be filled was his life. He gave his life so that we might grow into spiritual adults, enjoying God and helping others enjoy him as well. He gave his life so that we might have one. And just like Paul's prayer here, it was eternity at work. The Father had a plan to rescue us. And he sent the son. On the cross, the son died a horrible death. And three days later, he rose again. 40 days days after that, Jesus ascended to where he is now at the right hand of God, ruling over everything on the throne. And Jesus, in our lives, has sent the spirit, the Holy Spirit, to dwell within us, to settle us. So don't sell him short. He's done far more than you could possibly imagine. Don't think, I don't know if God can actually work here. Maybe I'll pray for him to do a little thing. Don't sell God short. Don't even let the thought that he doesn't love you or, or care about you or, or uh, don't even let that enter your brain because that's just not real. That's some kind of nightmare fantasy world of God doesn't want to be around you. Reality is God is already present. Are you present to him? The Father, the Son, and the Spirit, they already gave it all, not to guilt you, not to make you feel bad about yourself. But as we've seen here, So you may first depend on God's power to know God's love so that we would be made whole. Now we might feel bad about the other places we go to and that's appropriate. But the reason why Jesus died wasn't to bring anyone on a guilt trip. Jesus died to give us life. How amazing is that? Don't sell him short. Who are the people you're praying for? Please say, you're praying for people. Please say, I'm not up here ad nauseum talking about this thing and you haven't used it yet. Do it, and here is the guilt trip. Do it because Greg's talking about it. No, only do it if it's actually, if it's helpful. Uh, but, the, and the only reason why we make this is to help get into a more healthy rhythm of praying every day. If that doesn't help, then chuck this and find something else. But the people that you're praying for, don't sell God short. What kind of big prayers are you going to pray for these people? What kind of life are, is God going to call these people to? Don't sell his power through our church short. What prayers will you pray for Redeemer? Let's see some more baptisms, right? That's what we want to see. Let's see as we grasp God's love how, we, how that leads us to a more fuller understanding of our own wholeness and how that leads us to love others to, for, for them to know God's love. Our empty lives can be filled because Jesus emptied his fullness on us. Through the cross, his body was broken and that's what this bread symbolizes. You have these under your, under your seat. I'll talk about it in a moment. First, I'll talk about what it actually symbolizes. So the bread, the wafer, symbolizes Christ's body that was broken for us. The cross is where Jesus poured out his blood, and that's what the cup stands for. And in this loving act of sacrifice and generosity, we get to be filled with the Holy Spirit as we follow him. In our everyday lives, the power of cross is real. It's a real thing. The power of the resurrection is real. It's a real thing. And our empty, me-focused pursuits of power can be laid to rest. Our restless hearts can find rest. Through the power of the Father and the Son and the Spirit, we gain rest that allows us to live as whole human beings 
enjoying a love that will never end.